reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to LA, this is Big Sports Radio. And we're off and uh, running the kickoff. Hey, preseason is here. College football, baby. Larry Smith, uh, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, Josh Ewing is over here working audio, doing a great job as always. Uh, we have got a lot to talk about here uh, coming up. Doug Eldridge is back. You know, we talked to him a few weeks ago about some uh, business things. He's going to talk about the, the commanders, NFL commanders, and why DC is all of a sudden so giddy. Uh, about a guy that they seem to be okay with, Dan Snyder. We'll talk about that. Uh, also, uh, it's Big Ten Media Day. We're going to hear from a lot of coaches coming up. Uh, Ryan Day, uh, uh, David Braun, the, the interim coach in Northwestern. Uh, boy, that was painful to watch, wasn't it? Uh, also, later on, James Franklin mm. um, and uh, Mel Tucker and others. We're going to catch up with uh, a lot of those guys uh, as well. So, But, uh, hey, let's uh, start off, though, with uh, the big story um, among the coaches, uh, not Northwestern, but Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, uh, back-to-back Big Ten champs. Back-to-back trips to the BCS, or to, I should say, the college football playoffs. Sorry, showing my age. Um, but all of a sudden now, facing a four-game suspension uh, here at the start of the season. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, um, you know, we've got a little uh, Jim Harbaugh and Kirby Smart action going back and forth. We've got big Harbaugh suspension. I mean, he just loves pushing the edge, right? And Now, I don't, I don't know that this suspension is really going to be a huge issue for Michigan because if you look at where you know, what they have in those first few games. I think they're all winnable games, you know. Um, so, but it, it just goes to show you that the NCAA, like, they, they 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 have to make their presence felt, even if it's really irrelevant that they're around. So. And and I, I like the way he, he quoted Ric Flair. You know, if you, if you, you know, you've got to beat the man to be the man, which is so appropriate for sports, but you know, they've added a beat Georgia drill to their Michigan practices. And so that was like the perfect response to that question. And he also then he compared JJ McCarthy to Josh Allen. And if, if you're getting that type of comparison, if that's what you see, I need whatever you're using before you watch. If that's the if that's the if that's the comparison that you're making. <laughs> By the way, the Detroit News says that this uh, four game suspension would include game days only, so he could be on the field prepping uh, the team for the games. He just can't be on the sidelines. By the way, all four of those games at home, and all four among their easiest opponents: East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. So um, you know he just gets Saturdays off to go barbecue instead. Um, with that goes. By the way, during media days, he said, "You know, hey, I can't comment on it." Um, but he said, "You know, I'm I'm really not uh, you know em- embarrassed by this at all." So that's uh, the Harbaugh situation. Meanwhile, um, again, the expansion uh, and the shift in college football continues. Uh, the Pac-12 has been trying for 13 months now to get a new. Uh, big a new media deal. They have not gotten one so far. Nothing's been announced. And now it'll become even harder after losing the two teams from LA to the Big Ten uh, a year ago. They're going uh, to the Big Ten in 2024. Colorado also was out the door in 2024. The Buffaloes leaving the Pac-12 after 13 years and going back to the Big 12. And so now the Pac-12 only nine teams and maybe uh, even fewer by the time we get to next summer. It's interesting. Now you kind of look at this Pac-12 and say, okay, does an Arizona decide they want to join the Big 12? Does do does Stanford and Oregon do they go, do they reach out to the Big Ten? Hey, 
we'll take a half share, you know, uh, to be in there. I mean, uh, for, for a few years. I mean, so you start looking at this and you start seeing maybe the big 10 was right. And just kind of sitting and waiting for everybody else to implode. And then they can pick up the, the prospects, Washington, Oregon, Stanford. And then maybe that appeals to a team that plays all the, a lot of those teams in, in Notre Dame, they already play. So, you know, there's a lot of things going through and I think it's wild to watch this unfold. And like we've said many times, it's going to be a few years, but it, there's, it's, you can see where it's headed. Yeah, I think most of the action for the Big Ten, the SEC, will probably be focused on the ACC. And, of course, I I would hate to give the Nebraska fandom any uh, real hope that they could go back to the Big 12 and see if they could be winners again. (laughs) But, you know, you never never know. (laughs) Here's the thing. From a a geographic standpoint and from a competitive standpoint, the Big 12 is a better fit for Nebraska. But here's the deal. They're not going to turn down. 100 million. Yeah, no, I mean, they're going to no, turn down no. fifty million dollars to to go back to that conference. Yeah, it's 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 not going to happen. You're exactly right, and that's the thing is that by the way, Colorado gets a full media share of thirty one point seven million dollars uh, next year. ESPN loves it because guess who is coaching Colorado? Dion Sanders. So God. you know, Dion. I mean, you know, they love they love the. I mean, they they may have a special primetime Dion Sanders moment on every Sports Center. I mean, it's you know that's how much they love Dion. So and that's his own show, Dion Mic'd Up. Oh yeah, I wouldn't win shot. I would think they can get him yeah. to come out of his shell. Finally, yeah, well, you got to do that. I don't know. So, but yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, thirty-one point seven million guaranteed for Colorado right now. You know what the Pac-12 teams are getting for their media deal in twenty twenty-four? Zero. Zero. Don't have a deal. So to your point, they were only making I think twenty-four, twenty-five million per school before UCLA and USC left. Now that they're gone and Colorado. Uh, that 32 million Colorado is getting and guaranteed media money from the Big 12, um, probably more than double what the Pac 12 is going to end up getting in a deal, if anything. Um, just can't compete. Of, they can't compete. No. It's, well, it's, I don't know. You know, the state of California cable access could be a great deal. It could be. <laughs> exactly. Wayne but, and Garth. And we've got so much more coming up. Big 10 Media Days. We're going to hear from the new commissioner, Tony Petiti. Next, this is Big Sports Radio. Welcome back here to the show. Uh, again, the focus this week, Big Ten Media Days. Football, folks, is here. Uh, in Indianapolis uh, was the site back on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, in addition to hearing from the 14 coaches, uh, we also uh, heard from the new commissioner, Tony Petiti, coming in, replacing Kevin Warren. Uh, long TV media background, longtime exec at CBS Sports, has done some other stuff since then, but he comes in right now. Um, you know, with, look, with any commissioner of any Power Five conference, there's always a lot of issues, right? And, and he touched on uh, several of those things, not just in his opening remarks, but later in questions. Uh, let's start with the question that he was asked about expansion. As uh, again, the, the uh, conference goes to 16 teams next year, but lots of speculation about even uh, growing it even further beyond that. And here is his answer when asked about future expansion of the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, look, I think, and this came up, you know, early, it comes up a lot over the last couple of months. What I'll say is that all the direction I'm getting from leadership, our presidents and chancellors, our athletic directors, just to focus on USC and UCLA. We have a lot of work to do there. I'm proud of the scheduling format that we created in football. I think it touches on all the right things, but we have significant work to do on scheduling our other sports, especially our Olympic sports, to come up with the best solutions. 
I believe that that, you know, we've got a good plan in motion. I, I think we'll learn from it. And then uh, like anything, there'll be tweaks and changes. But overall, that, that's really where we are. I'm not getting direction to do anything else other than that in terms of just what the conference looks like right now. Hi, Tony. Dan Hope from 11 Warriors. When you talk about USC and UCLA coming into the conference, obviously, you know, big changes coming next year for college football playoff too. How do you kind of balance staying focused on this year while also preparing for those big changes in the future? I appreciate that. Yeah, I think, look, when it comes to uh, the schedule this year, we're ready. We have work done right in front of us. Today is the start of that. You know, we've got, uh, we, we owe that to the conference to all of our existing members to make sure we put everybody in the best place this season. I don't think there's any distraction. You know, I think we're able to do, you know, two things at once, look forward at the same time, do everything we need to do day in and day out for this football season, not just our football, but also the rest of, you know, this, the schedule this year for Big Ten sports. So I feel like we have the staff and the depth. We've done some things internally to, to shore up our staff to be able to do that, to put more energy into the integration of USC and UCLA. So I feel like the staff adjustments that we've made will allow us to do that effectively. We're going to come over here to the right. Tony, right here. Where are we? Welcome to the Big Ten. A right. uh, question for you. You touched on it in your initial statement was the transfer portal, which just seems like it's way out of control with the number of athletes that are in this now. Uh, what are some really ideas that you guys have put forward so far to maybe put the horse back in the barn? One of the things that we're most focused on is just the incentives that are being created for students to consider leaving, right? So when you have a system that's providing you know, potential benefits for entering the portal. And, and a lot of athletes, unfortunately, aren't realizing those benefits when they enter the portal. So there's a little bit of a grass is greener on the other side. But when I spend time with our coaches, the portal is an absolute priority. You know, I, I think the combination of what's happening in terms of the, the benefits that are being provided with the freedom to move, that combination really came together at the same time. And so you've seen the system now operate together and it's creating all kinds of different incentives that are fueling lots more kids to get there. And I think you know, when I talk to, to our leadership, what I get is a real deep concern about what's going to happen with graduation as, as, as students move at the levels that we're seeing today. Are they going to, you know, moving credits and major changes? All of those things are important. And I think we're, you know, we're going to see the results of that pretty shortly with the data that comes out from this flood. But I think the first thing, the idea is like, what can you do around the incentives? You know, I, I think, you know, we need to really spend a lot of time on that. And that's, I think, what our focus is. And that's why, you know, I talk about the difference between true NIL and, and NIL, that really is NIL. We've done a, uh, we gotta do a better job of explaining what each thing is, right? And they're two very different things. We'll go down here and to our left. Yes, sir, Commissioner. Uh, Steve Hellwagon, Bucknuts, 24-7 Sports, Columbus. Uh, my question, the Pete Thamel article came out a couple months ago and it kind of uh, illuminated there was a lack of communication from the conference office down to the universities as to what was promised to the television partners, what could be delivered. Um, under your watch, is it going to be your mandate that you bring everybody involved in these discussions as much as you can? Somebody's got to lead them. But at the end of the day, these are still events on college campuses being played at off times, and it, dis, uh, it, it, it ruins the fan experience in some instances for night games in November, these kind of things. Just what do you say about that whole discussion that came out that things were promised but hadn't been fully vetted through the colleges. Yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna speak to the work that was done before I got there. What I will say overall, that scheduling is the most collaborative process in the office. Like it doesn't work unless the conference staff is working with our athletic directors and SWAs 
you know, on a daily basis to come up with the solutions. There are historic things that get carried forward in every conference, who you play, when you play, when you want to play. And those things are all there, and we respect those. Um, so, you know, specifically, I, I think the first thing is, uh, you know, collaboration is obviously a big part of it. The second part of your question about, you know, it gets back to that old balance between in-person and TV, right? We hear that all the time. What's, how do you balance the, the need of fans when they're traveling at the same time trying to expose our programs to the biggest audience, especially, you know, our national power programs that, are, that carry the load of most of that. So we understand that. I think some of the, you know, some of the historic things that have been, you know, you know, traditional in the conference in terms of when teams will schedule and when they won't are carried forward. And that's, that's forward and we respect that. Um, and, our, and our job is to work with that to see if there can be exceptions and changes, but at the same time, understanding that, that you know, those institutions are, are, you know, advocating for their fans and their student athletes and we're respectful of that. This will be our final question down here. Hey, Tony, Jimmy hey. Watts, Cleveland.com. Um, you'd mentioned in your opening remarks that a lot of the NIL stuff that's happening um you don't think it's true nil mm -hmm. why do you think it the system is operating that way and how can you guys through legislation or increased scrutiny by the ncaa track that stuff and, and correct it yeah look i, I, I want to provide some clarity with, with what true nil means right when i say true nil what i mean is that the ability of a student athlete to take advantage of their marketing rights from either local or national companies and that depends on your ability, your exposure you receive, you know, the strength of your social media, all of those factors. And all of that's great. And that should be unlimited. What we're seeing, though, is a sense of because there's been this, this sort of lack of enforcement around traditional things like inducements for pay for play, we're seeing money move in different places. And it's away from our member institutions. So I think what we can do is, number one, we have very longstanding rules to address this. And we need to have the ability to enforce our rules. Uh, partly we need support from Congress to be able to be put in a position to do that without you know, litigation or anything hanging over our heads. So that's the, that's the balance, but then I'm trying to explain the difference between those two. And look, you're, in addition, you're seeing states come forward and pass legislation that really is only driven for one thing, to, to, to create more competitive power in that state. And that's just not the right place for us to be. Yeah, NIL is is something that I have a lot of conflicting feelings on. I've enjoyed college sports as they've been packaged over the years. At the same time, the reason I watch is the players and how good they are. And I do think they need some sort of compensation for that. But I think most people would agree it's still a, it's not a professional sport and the colleges have to keep up all of the facilities. They ha have all the risk, um, but they've got to find a way to get these, these players some degree of compensation. And if they don't do it correctly and under the law, I don't think you can expect Congress or any state legislature to rescue you. Well, but I, I think, again, the problem is now it's it's such a mess with different states, as he was talking about, you know, passing their own thing and and again, once the cat's out of the bag, right? I mean, how, how do you go back? And I think now it's an even, it's an even bigger problem. It's a, it's a, it's a tougher problem to, to legislate now that you do have all these other things. And I think only Congress coming in with some kind of law that supersedes that, uh, whatever that legal lever is, um, can, can correct this. Otherwise, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a mess. Yeah. It, it it's the, NCAA again abdicating its leadership and now you're in a situation where you've got to 
hope that the, you know, some hero Superman flies in with the cape and makes everything good again. And that's that's not a place you want to be. And I'm not certain if Congress is going to solve it. I don't know if I want Tommy Tuberville at the front of the thought process, but that's just me. <laughs> Interesting choice of the 100 senators you could have called out, <laughs> but you're exactly right. Uh, Tony Petiti, again, uh, the new commissioner and his first time speaking to the media uh, at the Big Ten Media Days as the commissioner of the conference. Keep it here. Much more to come after this. Stay with us. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160. 800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. If you served in the Marine Corps, by now you know about the contaminated water problem at Camp Lejeune. If you were stationed or worked at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1987, you probably have a lot of questions. We have some answers. You could be entitled to compensation. Billions of dollars are being allocated to pay for damages to anyone stationed at Camp Lejeune during that time. Unfortunately, it appears that officials may have known the contaminated water problem existed and did little to protect their men. The Semper Fi Code was not honored. If you or someone in your family has developed a serious illness, including various forms of cancer, call this Camp Lejeune legal support line right now. You can't turn back the clock and change what happened, but you can certainly call right now and learn your rights as a Marine. Here's the number. Call 800-363-7934. 800-363-7934. That's 800-363-7934. Paid for by Legal Alert Line. More from Big Ten Media Days uh, in Indianapolis this week. Um, seven coaches were on the podium Wednesday, including uh, the guy who never loses, and yet he's on the hot seat, Ryan Day of Ohio State, uh, talking about his Buckeyes once again. You know, coming up, um, uh, you know, rarely do you have an Ohio State team that finishes the season with back-to-back losses, uh, but that's what happened to Michigan in the regular season finale, and then of course in the BCS game semifinal matchup uh, against Georgia. Uh, Buckeyes almost knocked off the defending and now reigning uh, two-time champions. But anyway, day talking uh, to the media at the podium in Indy. We're excited about getting going here. I know everybody is this time of year, but we've had a great offseason. We have great leadership and um, and just you know, fun to be around a, a great team who uh, enjoys being around each other, but is also just you know very diverse in so many different ways, but has the same mindset every day and you know, going to work. So uh, looking forward to this season and, and open to whatever questions you guys have. Okay, we'll open over here to our left. Uh, Tim May, Letterman Rowe. Uh, Ryan, I was just wondering, uh, who is going to be your backup quarterback uh, going into camp? <laughs> I'm asking that the backhanded way, obviously. That's, that's but, good. but have you seen anything the last couple of months that have given you any kind of definition there? I figured you'd try it that way because the other ways haven't haven't worked for you yet uh, to know the starter. Um well, I, I thought I'll start with Lincoln. Lincoln is, is stepped in um, and been very su- surprised with um, just his approach. Been really impressed with how it doesn't seem too big for for Lincoln. Uh, he's very athletic. He's learning. He's got a long way to go. Uh, he came in in the summer, but excited to have him here. Um, Tristan has is, is done a great job as um, 
you know, being a coach, being a guy who uh, wants to be a coach, but he's he's taking those guys under his wing, understands the offense now at a high level. And so um, you know, he's going to help provide depth for us. And, and that's important because this is the most depth we've had, as you know, Tim, in a long time at the quarterback position, which will allow us to do some things maybe we haven't done in the past. Um, and, and then you have Devin and Kyle, and um, they both had very good summers. They both um, have shown leadership. And uh, Mick has really put him in situations to do that. Um, now it's going to be time to go put it on the field. And, you know, we obviously would like for someone to emerge here quickly, but, um, you know, we'll kind of have to see once we get on the field. We'll stay over here to our left. Hi, Ryan. Dave Biddle from 24-7 Sports over here to your left. Hi, Dave. How do you feel about your offensive line entering camp? Is it your biggest concern? And just how do you feel about that group, Ryan? I think the two areas, you you know, just in terms of guys in, going into a conference game on the road, we did that a couple of years ago against Minnesota. Last year, uh, we're playing Notre Dame at home. And this year, it's Indiana on the road. <clears throat> you know, your concern is guys who haven't played, guys that don't have the experience. And, um, you know, the two guards have played um, and, and the, the two tackles in the center haven't. Um, now I'm excited about some of our options there. You know, Josh Fryer is really you know looks good. He cut weight. He's doing better. Tegra. We also added um, Josh Simmons, uh, who prefers to be called Jimmy, by the way. So we're gonna have to call him Jimmy Simmons. Um, uh, Luke Montgomery is is you know been in the mix. Uh, he shot a really good summer. Um, and so you know we have Vic Cutler. We've added. So we have some good pieces there, uh, but they just haven't played. And so that's where. This offseason has been important, but now in August, it's going to be critical for them to to build the chemistry and to make sure that they solidify themselves as starters. I think, you know, we have enough people there that we feel good we can find that, but they have to go do it. Um, so that's obviously something that we got to make sure we're focused on. And then obviously the quarterback position. Those are probably the two biggest areas where we got to make sure we're doing a great job. All right, coach, we're going to go to our right. A coach over here, Bill Bender, Sporting News. Uh, with Brian Hartline moving in at offensive coordinator, uh, what does that mean for you this season in terms of play calling, where you spend your time in meetings during the week, and what is your collaborative vision of the offense now? Yeah, um, nothing's really changed from the spring. We'll kind of see how the preseason goes and see uh, how it all shakes out and the, the, the chemistry. It has allowed me an opportunity to, to bounce around a little bit more also with um, naming um, Quinn Temple, our chief of staff. He, he's kind of taken some things off of my plate. He's done a really good job there. So um, the way that our staff's designed, you know, I think we have a great staff. And, um, you know, it has allowed me to jump around a little bit more. Once we get into the teeth of the season, I just, um, you know, I, I know how it's going to go probably for me. I'm going to end up being right involved with it again. But that being said, as the season wears on, I have to be conscious this year of not getting too locked into the offense and making sure that I have you know, a handle on everything that's going on. And I think, you know, certainly Brian running the offense and being a part of that and uh, Justin Fry with the O-line, you know, some of the other additions we've had to the staff will allow us to do that. Coach, we're going to go here to our left. Hey, Ryan, Patrick Murphy from 24-7 Sports and Bucknuts. A lot of the talk this offseason outside the program, I know, has been about the way the season ended. Uh, I'm curious just how much that conversation takes place internally about those final two games of last year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it started off with, you know, the, the way the regular season ended and then that whole bowl prep leading up to it. Um, you know, there was just, um, you know, a lot of focus, a lot of, um, you know, conversation about making sure that, you know, we finished the season the right way and we came up 
you know, a couple of plays short, and that was not easy to do. And so, you know, as you as you replay, you know, a few plays here, a few plays there, really in both of those games, uh, it, it's it's motivating. And so, what we did this off season, I think you heard me talk about it, is everything we did in the off season was about competing, because you know, when you're in matchup games, it comes down to a handful of plays. Um, there are times during the season where that's not the case. You know, we can, you know, maybe lose a few plays and still win by a few touchdowns. And it's like sometimes that can get unnoticed. And um, and, and not that it does get unnoticed. It's just something that maybe you just don't feel the severity of it until you lose a game like that. And so, um, you know, we've been working hard this offseason to make sure that that doesn't happen again. That, um, you know, in every game, no matter who we're playing, you know, we we understand that it can come down to a couple plays, and certainly in matchup games, you know, we we we've got to win those games. And explosive plays certainly is what you know really was our Achilles' heel going down in those last two games. And you now we know that we've talked about it. Um, you know, how much do we talk about the rivalry game and and you know winning at the end of the season? We talk about it every day. We do. Now we're not going to sit there and let it beat us twice, but it is a motivating factor for sure. All right, we're going to go to our back right. Ryan, uh, Mark Rogers uh, with the Voice of College Football. Uh, and you're working with Jim Knowles and having conversations with him in efforts of improving uh, the defensive play this year. Is it more about uh, improving, increasing technique from the players to fit what Jim Knowles likes to do or basically taking his scheme and trying to tweak it to fit what the the players and their skill sets yeah it's 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 a great question because it's something that comes up all the time on both sides of the ball this time of year is um you, you have a a general idea of what your offense what your defense is but ultimately you have to tailor it to what your guys can do and um that's something that you know Coming off of last season, number one thing we know, you know, explosive plays. There was a lot of improvement made, but those are the things that hurt us. So how do we get that fixed? And, and that's um, obviously been something that we've really focused on. But also, how do we now take a group of guys that have been in the, the system now for a year and take the next step and put the right people in the right spots? And that's really what it comes down to. And not just something that maybe has worked in the past couple of years doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to get it's going to work moving forward. Yeah. There's nothing Ryan Day can say at this point except in, until he says it on the field with his team against Michigan in November. Everything else is basically irrelevant because and Ohio State fans really don't care. Yeah, we're going to start 11 and 0 and then we're going to but then we have to play Michigan. So we got to figure out a way to beat them. So and that's all there's that's what they're thinking about right now. I mean, I, oh yeah, it's fine. Notre Dame, eh, Penn State, eh, Michigan. That's all that matters. Yeah, I think I think they've got three pitfalls that they've really got to worry about. Obviously, the first one is you got to beat Michigan, and then you can't lose focus and lose to Penn State, and certainly you don't want to have anything happen with Notre Dame. So they've got they've got you know three three hurdles to 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 go, but the one that's about nine miles higher than the other two is that game against Michigan and they're Michigan's just a tougher team right now. They're they're more physical. They're tougher. We've talked about that before, but the interesting thing, I, what would happen if they got, can you imagine like if, if they lost to Penn state and Michigan and went like 10 and two new year's day bowl, 10 and two fire coach. Is I know. That good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing is you're right right now, Michigan is the, you know, they are the more physical team. 
But more than that, right now, Michigan, they're in Ohio State's head. And I think that's as big as anything right now, the, to your point. I mean, it's, and remember, we came off Ohio State beating Harbaugh, what, seven straight times? I mean, you know, yeah. three years ago, we, we're like, well, he better, this may be the year he's on the hot seat. And all of a sudden now, um, he's the one flirting with NFL teams and Michigan trying to keep it. And where a couple of years ago, they would have said, oh, NFL, you want to go? Yeah, go ahead. You can't beat Ohio State. So, and, and you're right. And I still contend that Ohio State team last year, they, they Michigan game, they lost whatever. They would have beaten Georgia if if uh, Harrison hadn't gotten, you know, hurt, you know or if they had thrown a flag on that or play. If they had thrown a flag on that have. play. Yeah, yeah, they should have. Yeah. But if he doesn't get hurt, then they have he they Stratus lost his go-to guy. And I really think that they would have won that game against Georgia. They matched up athletically as well as anybody did all year with that Georgia team. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I think they're in. I think Larry's got it right. They're in their head, but the reason they can get in their head is because the first quarter of every game, their offensive and defensive lines punch Ohio State in the mouth, and Ohio State doesn't know what to do. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Uh, well, the big story, uh, unfortunately, the past month in college football, that of Northwestern and uh, the guy who's been tasked to uh, mop up the mess right now while uh, it's still leaking. Uh, he, he talked to the media uh, without any players behind him. And that's next. Coach Braun, interim Coach Braun, is next on Big Sports Radio. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Well, it's been the story of the month of July, the scandals at Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald is out after almost two decades as head coach. Um, you can understand why the Northwestern players skipped the trip to Indianapolis this week uh, to be a part of media day. That just would not have been fun at all. So um, the one man there to represent the program was interim coach David Braun, who wasn't even with the team a year ago. He came in uh, in the offseason, and now he's the interim head coach uh, trying to mop this up uh, with some personal stuff going on as well. He did share with everyone that his wife is due with their third child any day now and uh, talked about just the uh, extraordinary circumstances which led to him becoming the head coach of the Wildcats. I never could have imagined, nor did I desire, to become a head coach under these, these types of circumstances. That said, I'm honored to lead this group moving forward. With a dad from Ohio, born in the north suburbs of Chicago, and moving to Wisconsin in elementary school, my childhood was filled with Big Ten football. Watching Northwestern games with Dad, many Saturdays in Camp Randall, rooting on the Badgers. It was part of my life. It was part of my memories with my dad. And we won't acknowledge uh, who my dad roots for. We've had a very clear understanding that uh, he'll be rooting for the Cats moving forward. But there was a great deal of appreciation built up for what Big Ten football is. The ultimate student-athlete experience. Top-notch academics. And high-end football on Saturdays. Prioritizing the student-athlete experience. I dreamt of playing in the Big Ten. That never became a reality. But an opportunity to work in the Big Ten, coach in the Big Ten, and coach and mentor these young men is something that I don't take lightly. I vividly remember in 1995 watching Northwestern beat ninth-ranked Notre Dame. Incredible. 
it still sticks with me to this day. The following year, I'm sitting in the stands with a childhood friend watching Northwestern take on Wisconsin. In improbable circumstances, Ron Dane fumbles with under a minute left to go. A few plays later to find Steve Schnurr connect with Dwayne Bates on a double move and one of the most improbable Northwestern wins in Northwestern history. Again, this opportunity is a dream come true to be a part of Big Ten football. I say all this to say that when Coach Fitz offered our family the opportunity to come to Northwestern back in January, and I started work on January 16th of this year, my wife and I had to pinch ourselves. An opportunity to coordinate in the Big Ten, to work for a man like Coach Fitz, to be close to my family in Wisconsin, to be a part of the Big Ten, and the opportunity to mentor young men that value what Northwestern stands for, a world-class education competing on the biggest stage in college football. This obviously has been a very difficult time for our team, our staff, our current and former players impacted, our alumni, the university, and the broader Northwestern community. I am grateful to the Northwestern leadership and Dr. Gregg for entrusting me with leading this program moving forward. The circumstances surrounding our family's opportunity in being elevated to interim head coach were not dreamlike scenarios, but they have one done, done one thing. They have crystallized our family's purpose. As a family, our mission, Kristen and I truly believe that football is the ultimate vehicle to have a positive impact on young men. Our number one priority moving forward will be ensuring that the student-athlete experience for the young men that we coach and mentor is just that, the ultimate student-athlete experience. With the evolving landscape of college football, and there being more emphasis put into talent acquisition, transactional relationships, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to firmly commit to the values of Northwestern University, to firmly commit to what this program has been built off of, and that is the holistic development of the young men that we mentor and coach. I told our players a couple weeks ago, moving forward, it is my ultimate purpose to number one, make sure that the four people back home are taken care of. And beyond that, I'm here to support and serve them moving forward. Through one-on-one -on -one meetings with the majority of our team, I have found a team that has come together, that truly loves one another, and has an incredible resolve to attack the 2023 season and write their own story about overcoming adversity. Let me be clear, this football team will be ready to go. There is nothing that he can say that, that, that is going to change what's happened. So he's just, when he says they're going to be ready to go, what else can he say? Like, hey, you know what? We're going to throw in the towel. We're going 0-12, whatever. It sucks, but it is what it is. I mean, he's not going to have a, but, but I will say this. He's in kind of a, 
you know, as an individual, like when he looks at himself and I know he's trying to put the team together, he's in kind of a no lose situation in some respects because no one expects him to win. Right. If they somehow go like four and eight, because remember how bad they've been the past couple of years or five and seven, it's like, this guy's a miracle worker coming off this scandal. If he can rally the troops, circle the wagons and, and, you know, have a decent year. So he's got an opportunity to kind of prove himself as a football coach, as a head football coach um, going through this scandal. And, and if he can do that, then, you know, more power to him. I expect them to be more like one eleven or two and 10, but Hey, that's just me. I think if they go one and 11, he may win a moral victory. Cause I think it's going to be a, a very hard year. We found out he's not very good at rock, paper, scissors because he ended up having to go to the <laughs> to the thing, you know, to the media day because anybody who was Rap. good at rock, paper, scissors would have been in Chicago or up in Evanston, not going to this thing. Um, I, I do think, you know, they're, they're going to be ready to go. I'm just not certain where. Um, and and it, it's just like you said, Brad, it's a no win situation. I think this is the one time that I could actually see if it wasn't for the the monetary um, payments that would be due various broadcast units for replacing, you know, 12 Big Ten games. Um, I could see not playing this season and letting this, you know, especially when most of your assistant coaches were there last year to try to figure, you know, let this thing settle down a little. Yeah. And that's the thing is that you have all the lawsuits uh, so far and still more to come. That means more discovery. That means more stories potentially unveiled. Uh, then you've got to try to play football to, as you said, you're not going to be terribly successful. It's just kind of the way it is. Um, and then unlike, you know, we've talked in the past a few weeks about Penn state and what happened there, you can't really compare because Penn state had a football history and, and, you know, they were able to, to retool. You do have the transfer portal now, but again, you have Northwestern academics. You can't just take any players. So, um, there is a lot to clean up there in Evanston, and we wish uh, David Braun the very best first with his family. Uh, that's number one. Um, and uh, and boy, you know, with this uh, season, again, trying to keep uh, his head high and keep morale up uh, on the team as well. Hey, coming up next, Doug Eldridge, who was on the show just a few weeks ago, coming back to talk uh, Washington Commanders, why D.C. is so giddy for an owner that we knew was a, I don't know, POS, right? Um, why is that? And at the same time, let's talk a little uh, NCAA NIL and uh, how college football is trying to clean things up now when the cat's out of the bag. That's next. Big Sports Radio. Big Sports Radio continues here. Glad you're with us as we are almost to August. We promised uh, a few weeks ago we would have our next guest back on because we ran out of time. Um, Doug Eldridge, he is a sports agent, uh, founder of Achilles PR in the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, you see him a lot of times on uh, Fox Business. Uh, does a lot of TV appearances, a lot of media. And so we are really lucky to have his input back on here again. Uh, Doug, good to have you back on Big Sports Radio. We we ran out of time. And so we said we want to get back to you before we get into the meat of uh, college football preseason. Uh, since the, I do want to get your opinions. I saw you on uh, on Fox talking about uh, the Washington Commanders and the sale. Um, great thing, six billion dollars. It's a record. Daniel Snyder has always been, as I called him a moment ago. I, I did say POS. I apologize, to anyone that I if I offended anybody, but it, it is just three letters. Don't tell the kids what that means. Um, but he's always been a surly guy, uh, not a nice guy. Why is it now that? 
local football fans are excited that he's gone. When he hasn't changed, it's just that his stuff's more out in the open. Well, it's it's like that person in the office, be it a coworker or the boss. Everybody felt a certain way about him, but until they left, uh, you didn't feel the the freedom to really express and okay. let <laughs> how you felt. Fair enough, yeah. And and I and I say that with all due respect and, and deference to, to to Mr. Snyder, who who owned the team for for twenty four years. But it was no secret year after year how this fan base felt, and it, it, it was really it came down to the fact that they didn't feel heard, and and that seems like such a strange descriptive, but here's what I mean. They didn't feel heard in terms of the team they wanted to see on the field. They didn't feel heard in terms of how they wanted the team to treat them in the community. Mm -hmm. You have to meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. And Snyder was given the baton with such a commanding lead in terms of this team's brand strength. I mean, Larry, you remember uh, your weight, your position on the waiting list for season tickets 30 years ago was passed down in people's wills. Right. Right. I mean, my office there on Capitol Hill is not far from, from RFK where the, where the then Redskins used to play. And in the heyday, the stadium would literally shake. You could feel it trembling. And that's the type of brand equity that they had. That, that fan base was absolutely diehard. That's relevant because he was given such a commanding lead when he got the baton that through the course of 24 years, he absolutely burned through not only their championship pedigree, but the unrivaled goodwill and loyalty of that fan base. Mm-hmm. Teams can endure or fans can endure, uh, you know, losing or coming close or near misses. But what they can't endure, what they can't endure is feeling as if they're treated lesser than that mm-hmm. their vote and their voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in politicians, they're voted out of office, you know, when their electorate starts to feel that way. The problem is you can't do that with an NFL owner. And so if you're wondering why the why the peasants rose up and cheered for the ouster of the crown, that's why, you know, and there's a, there's a sense of hope that there'll be some benevolence and with it, some wins on the field with this new ownership group. So it really is a new day in D.C. Yeah. Well, I thought um, some things that they did before uh, in his final couple of years when his wife kind of took over, Julie Donaldson, someone we know really well, um, longtime media uh, journalistic career, becoming VP of communications. Great move uh, putting some females in position of power within the organization. Um, I think now the new ownership, uh, having Magic Johnson, their front and center. Magic Johnson is who he is. One of the most charismatic people you'll ever meet. Um, memory like a steel trap. He remember meeting you 30 years ago and you explain, ex- express, you know, he'll explain that moment in detail. And you're like, yeah, I was wearing a green shirt, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, having somebody like him out there posting on social media on vacation with his family, wearing commander's gear and talking about the excitement of, you know, being a part of the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, you can't get better PR. And I think that will help to turn around even faster. What's next? And there's been a lot of talk about a stadium up there. Obviously, there's a there, you know so many different uh, you know issues to get around when you try to build a new stadium. They bought the land in Northern Virginia. Um, obviously, I would love to see them tear down RFK and put it right there. That complex is just perfect for a multi-use um, you know uh, complex uh, with, you know built around a stadium. What's the latest word right now there in DC? Well, you know, the product on the field is is a separate issue, right? They, they got to put the, the Lego pieces together to, to build something sustainable. But in the front office, there's some real concerns from a balance sheet standpoint. And now you can now that you can get past the figurehead and, and, you know, the, you know, the toxicity that was linked to it. When you just crack the books, they're in a tough spot. You're talking about FedEx Field, which is located outside of D.C. in Maryland. It's not easy to get through, get to. 
Um, parking is terrible. There's always an, a ridiculous bottleneck with traffic. The stadium itself just stinks, literally and figuratively. <laughs> but there's also the the family of four index, right? Which is the, the cost of uh, a mom, a dad, and two kids going to a game. And they priced it out. And the, the commanders in FedEx Field was the seventh most expensive ticket in the mm. entire NFL. Mm. The seventh most expensive. Well, that's that's prohibitive, as you know, even with the artificial salaries here in the in the in the DMV area. But that was seventh most expensive out of 32. At the same time, from 2006 to 2022, their total home attendance dropped from 701,000 to 523,000. Wow. So not only did they did they have that that, you know, which had some shaky uh, statistics attributed to it, but that home sellout shriek, not only did that go the way of the Buffalo, but you were talking about half full stadiums. I mean, that is a 24% haircut in total season home attendance. It got to a point, Larry, where you know how you know they do the pan shots and they do the crowd and they do the zoom out. They had to keep a tight crop on the field because the lower bowl was half empty for home games. It was, you know, you just don't see that in NFL markets, period. But you, you've known this D.C. market from the Redskins to the Washington football team to now the commanders. That was just never a, a, never part of the equation. So I mentioned that to say they have some some real things to overcome from an optic standpoint. Obviously, magic does play a huge role in the fact that Harris, as the majority owner, has demonstrable a track record of demonstrable success and efficacy across the NBA and the NHL with the Sixers and the Devils. Uh, so they have the business acumen, they have the PR uh, componentry putting in place. They're they're going to ultimately field a winning team because that's what this guy does. But they got to clean up their books, and that's that's doing a U-turn on a battleship. You know that takes a while to get it turned and going in the right direction and back with a full head of steam. So they really do have their work cut out for them. But what they have going for them, as you said from the top, is an energized, excited fan base. Not only those long-suffering ones that never jump ship, but now the people that are swimming back to the boat and want to get back on. Yeah. Yeah, and it starts there. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad we got your 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 thoughts on that. Uh, I want to get to the topic that we left off that we didn't get to last time. That's the NCAA, uh, the NIL stuff. And as you put so aptly in the commercial break just now, the attempt to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, <laughs> your thoughts on this? Um, boy, it is just a dollar late, a day late, a dollar short on this. It really is. You know, I mean, it, I, I love the effort. But but I, I it, it's going to take so much longer to try to fix this. And I don't know if it can be fixed because now all the states doing their own separate thing. Um, you know, it, it's almost like you remember when we were young and, and you didn't get invited to the party and you're like, well, I didn't want to go to the party anyway. Right. You <laughs> feel as though you have to make that statement, even though it's a positive <laughs> and, and means nothing. Um, you know, as I think I've said before, full disclosure, I've, I've always had a good working relationship with the NCAA. I've, I've sat on committees and done work there in Indianapolis with them, trying to revise the, the agent regulation systems and stuff like that. But I've never been secretive in terms of, I think, that the inherent flaws in the system. And we all knew it. You know, we saw it. It wasn't a whispers behind the other side of the curtain. Everybody could see it. But eventually, the pressure got too, too great and, and the levy broke. Right. And that's what we saw with the, the Supreme Court decision, which was clearly monumental. And, and the two years since, I mean, it's it's a it's been significant. The problem was the the NCAA as an institution was effectively neutered because they had so heavily overplayed their hand. They no longer had any voice, much less a voice of authority in terms of how the regulation would be run. 
Instead, it was kicked down to each state to adopt their own governance and their own regulation. Well, as we know, I mean, looking at the Big Ten, which is just a, a freaking juggernaut. I mean, that doesn't comprise states. It comprises time zones now, right? In terms of all, in terms of all the colleges and the states from which they hail, now you're getting a mix of respective state laws, which are going to be in conflict. But now the NCAA, and instead of instead of doing all of those individual gunfights in, in in dusty streets across you know small town conferences in the U.S. They're trying to seize on the chuck wagon, meaning they're trying to seize on the collectives, the NIL collectives, which are, which are generally put together by schools and or alumni bases. And they're trying to, they being the NCAA, is now trying to say that NIL collectives run by or through each school is really just a Trojan horse extension of what we always called the, quote, boosters, Boosters being wealthy alumni who'd give the green handshake to the to the player who made a, a big play or would you know slide money to the family under the table. That's been baked into the batter since college football, you know, since they put lights at stadiums. That's right. just always been part of it. But now the NCAA, and that's where the paste back in the tube comes in, they're trying to, to undergo the impossible task of retroactively coming back and putting putting up some fencing to corral these horses. The issue being. You have these ranchers, not to beat the metaphor to death, you have these ranchers saying, wait a minute, these have been free range horses. You can't put them in a small pen anymore. You don't have the authority or jurisdiction to do so. Mm-hmm. And we're willing to lean on our state legislatures to defend our right. You know, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, was vocal one or two months ago saying, hey, we're willing to take up the legal fight, you know, it's so that the NCAA does not come in and overextend their legal authority. You're 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 not a judicial body. You have no legislative authority. These schools are signatories to your code, but your code, at least in terms of regulating athletics, was largely invalidated by the Supreme Court decision. So you can choose to take this to court, but that's arguably the only hand you can play. So now the NCAA to, to zoom back out to fifty thousand feet, Larry. Now the NCAA, instead of going to these dusty college towns and the old, you and I grew up on Westerns, having the, the, the standoff and the shootout with each university to, to try and show that they're still the, the fastest hand in the West in terms of enforcing their rules, how are they going to fight an entire, essentially what would mount to a, a class action and ultimately antitrust litigation, right? Because that's what would be, that would, that would be the counter, is that the, is that the NCAA is putting themselves in a position and a place to implement undue constraints on the flow of commerce by and between the states. And that, from 50,000 feet, is, is what antitrust is all about. Undue artificial restrictions or impediment to the free flow of commerce. You know? And so, in other words, it's a long-winded but somewhat relevant way of saying the NCAA is a toothless lion. It's really a lion in name no longer. When the lion loses its teeth or can no longer hunt, it's displaced as the alpha and ultimately dies of hunger. Right. And that's what it's a a sad and maybe dark way to to describe it. But that's really what it is. It's still the NCAA, but it is a toothless line. And I think that's the fear all of us have because you need regulation across the board. Um, But to your point, they, you know, they turned their gun over a while ago and they may have some bullets. They have nothing to shoot them with. So um, remember the old Andy Griffith. (laughs) He used used to let Barney carry. Right. But 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 Andy would keep the bullet in his front right. pocket. Right, exactly. So, so that Barney would feel he had authority because yeah. he had he had his service revolver, but yeah. Andy never let him, you know, and, and you know, 
hopefully your your audience is old enough to remember that because we sure you know <laughs> we remember Andy Griffith. Yeah. But it's it really is that way. You know, there, there's no there's arguably no enforcement mechanism. The only recourse they're ultimately left with in the absence of of their service revolver, which they beat you with the butt of the gun for all these years, you know, in terms of how they would just destroy players, invalidate their their eligibility. They'd absolutely sanction these schools all while the NCAA was uh, you know, was it was a billion dollar in the literal sense, a billion dollar entity which had unbelievable tax treatment. Yeah. It was yeah. talking about an imbalanced equation. Yeah. And I think that uh, and I know we're out of time here, but I think that, you know, with the word of Colorado and there, there's another you know further erosion of the Pac-12 that I think, you know, look, I think we all think, you know, and very quickly in 30 seconds that UCLA and, and USC, obviously, that was the beginning of the death knell. This is just another I mean, you come in to check on the patient, go, oh, now we have another problem, you know, that sits as we're trying to revive the patient here and keep them going. Um, you know, <laughs> Colorado gone. I, you have to wonder how soon does the next one follow? Because again, their media deal ends in less than a year and they have no viable prospects right now to get each school, even $20 million. Maybe something comes up that we don't know about, but if, you know, with Colorado leaving it, you would think that's, that's probably not the case. I, I think it, it'll eventually remember the, the old, the blob, the movie, the blob, it would go over something and it would, it would absorb it and the blob would get bigger. Yeah. You, you really have the, the big 10 and the sec is two comp- competing blobs. They're getting larger and larger. And eventually, I think you'll have an ABA, NBA type merger where essentially what the NCAA football becomes is a, is effectively the NFL in terms of one league separated by geographic divisions. I don't think in 20 years from now, when we're still talking sports, we'll see the Big Ten and we'll see the SEC. I think we will see NCAA football, however it's titled, separated by geographic divisions, period. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what it'll become. No, I agree. Doug Eldridge, good to talk to you as always, a sports agent, a founder of Achilles PR. Be sure to give him a follow on Twitter uh, or whatever it's now, X, whatever. Uh, Achilles underscore PR. Achilles underscore PR. But make sure you give him a follow. Always good stuff. Doug, my friend, good to talk with you. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you, brother. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks. Big Sports Radio continues after this. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. That's right. We are right back here. Hour number two getting underway. And we want to talk about, uh, boy, the scary situation earlier this week in Los Angeles. Bronny James, the 18-year-old freshman at USC, collapsing and uh, suffering a cardiac arrest during practice on on Monday. Um, You know, guys, look, no matter what, forget forget his dabbing LeBron James and and the, the pressure on this kid to be great, et cetera, an NBA in one year and whatever. This is concerning. And, and number one, you know, we, we our prayers are that that he's healthy, regardless of what his athletic future is. Just make sure you're healthy and and if there's a situation you get taken care of. Yeah, no question. You just hope he's okay. Uh, you know, it, it's a, you know, we, we're kind of more awareness after the Demir Hamlin, you know, incident with the Bills kind of was a national thing because, you know, it was on, you know, on television, you know, right there and everybody saw it. So, I think maybe there's some more awareness of this. Uh, let's hope that, you know, I hope that his career can be, I mean, you know, we've seen this, we've seen this happen in, in other things happen to happen with, uh, you know, with basketball players who've come back and done these things before. So hopefully uh, he, he's he got a good, you know, bright future and a career uh, available to him. But like you said, just as long as he's healthy, it, it's, it's all good. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure. And, and obviously, 
you know, his, his family can afford the greatest uh, doctors in the world, but you want to make sure they diagnose whatever caused that or know that it was just a freak fluke event. Um, you know, our generation goes back to the horror of Hank, of Hank gathers. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the first place that my mind went to. And that, that's probably the most disturbing thing I've seen on a field other than Daryl Stingley. So, um, you know, I, I just, I just hope they figure out what it is. And certainly this kid, like you said, Larry, he is under so much pressure, because of who his father is, not put on him by his father, but who his father is. And the expectations are just unreal for him that I don't know how he matches it because they're incredibly blown up. Yeah. Yeah. So Bronny James, uh, that's the big thing there again, playing for USC here and, and look, it's July and, and I know he's got great doctors and certainly we appreciate all the personnel there whatever they did to make sure that he was okay and um, and got him to a hospital uh, and out of ICU then shortly thereafter. Uh, okay, on to uh, a Big Ten story. We've got Northwestern on and on and on, and uh, and now we've got Minnesota um, and P.J. Fleck. Now, now the story coming out uh, earlier this week, citing multiple former players, um, talking about the culture under Fleck uh, on the football team, and comparing it to a cult. And we've kind of heard this before. Yeah, it's not the first time we've even mentioned this, is it? I mean, <laughs> what, what, what's your what's your quote, Larry? What'd you say? Oh, yeah, we had the Minnesota reporter on a few weeks ago, and he mentioned the word cult. And I said, well, you know, you you can't spell culture without cult. So, <laughs> see, there you go. There it is. So, I, you know, it, you know, the row the boat, the slogans, the, you know, a certain thing. Everything it's and, and all these teams are like this. You, 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 we talk about a family outside of a family con construct. It is a little cultish. Every but every sports team is a little bit like that. Like you're you're part of a cult. You're either in or you're out. You know, guys that transfer out, guys that stay are in, and you know, it's just kind of a, a thing. I, I don't know until we get you know specifics on what was actually done. You know, maybe there's something else. But you know, overall, I, I think that's true of a lot of college teams so i don't know it's it's interesting but i think following up the northwestern scandal this is why it makes you know such a big headline yeah this is probably the danger of uh rushing to judgment you know you've got to investigate these type of things and then um you know see where they lead you um let's hope this is not another situation like what we saw at northwestern um maybe it's just that Flex a little loopy and um, just kind of the unique culture set up by a guy who's overly enthusiastic about the darndest things. Yeah. Rowing the boat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the boat. We should say the Minnesota athletic director. Uh, sorry, Brad. Uh, Mark Coyle did come out and defended Fleck uh, in a statement. Uh, Front office sports was the, uh, uh, the uh, organization that put this out there. And he said, Hey, you know what? He said, our program is unique and, and defended Fleck. And, and look, you know, if you're, if, if you're going if part of a team or part of an organization and you have a culture, you need everyone to buy into that culture. Well, you have to buy into a cult as well, right. In terms of what they're selling, what they're about. So, um, but you're right in, in the wake of what's happening in Northwestern, people are hypersensitive and we, you know, Let's wait and see what comes of this uh, before we pass any judgment on uh, P.J. Fleck and what he's done up there with the Gophers program. Um, speaking of a little bit different, uh, Aaron Rodgers, a little bit different. He went to, he's a, you know, 
multi-gazillionaire and he went into a cave to find himself once. Um, this year, he has found <laughs> himself in New Jersey. Uh, didn't have to go underground uh, unless you consider New Jersey underground. And uh, But boy, how about this? Says It's not a one-year thing for me. Takes a pay cut and signs a two-year deal, $75 million. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, former league MVP, is going to be around for a while. Yeah, the poor guy is going to have to... Skate by on only thirty-seven and a half million dollars in salary plus endorsements, of course. How's he going to do it? I, I don't know. I mean, I you know, it's hard to pay the bills. You yeah. know, I he may have to sell a Ferrari. I mean, you know, so <laughs> these are these are things that you know, first world problems for sure. But I, <laughs> right, I right. do find it interesting that he, you know, a lot of people assumed he was a one-year hired gun. Yeah. You know, what I mean, and that was kind of how it was sold. But in this case, now you you take a little bit of a pay cut. It may help them actually find players to play around him. And I think that when you go back to the whole Green Bay thing, I think a lot of his issue was that he didn't feel as respected a lot of times because they would always, they're drafting his replacement, they're drafting defensive guys over and over and over, and they never like gave him, you know, they didn't want to give him weapons to use on on offense. And everybody said, oh, they need a wide receiver. Well, then they draft a backup quarterback. It's like, what's going on here? Well, and and I talked to a Packer fan who was like, if you wanted to, make less money why didn't you sign with the Packers for less money and we could have afforded some of the players who had to leave and not had to go through this whole thing um it's hard for a person to know what they want before they know what they want but um I think Aaron definitely runs to the beat of his own drummer and um this is yet another example of that kind of a, a different dude and I'm not certain if he is the type of guy who can, you know, lead his team to the promised land very often. But but we'll find out. Maybe he gets a second Super Bowl ring in New York. Yeah, yeah. Or as we see so many times, uh, these players go to that second team, these legends, and it never pans out. You got to yep. stay healthy. Things have to work out well. Just because you're happy now in the, you know, first week of camp, first couple of days of camp here. Doesn't mean it's going to be successful, but I think Aaron Rodgers needs needed a change of scenery. Bottom line, you know, get away from from Green Bay, fresh starts, and uh, we wish him well. See what happens. All right, stay with us. We've got uh, much more to come as we will uh, meet a host of the of the show. We'll meet a host. That's coming up next. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. We've had some fun this week uh, playing Beat the Host. And um, after Mike went and Brad the week before, guess whose turn it is? Yep. Larry's. All right. Larry Smith. Yep. You guys go ahead. Ask away. So uh, my question is, when did you get your first three-piece suit? And 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 the other question is, when you were playing Webster, what was that like? <laughs> So you should know, yes, I should say I, I wear suits all the time because um, for 35 years, I've been a television uh, news anchor, sports anchor, sports, CNN sports a long time, Turner Sports, uh, worked in uh, D.C. in news, currently in Lexington in news, NBC station, LEX 18. 
Um, and so these guys laugh because there is a picture on Facebook where I was at a funeral and uh, was looking very businesslike in a three. I'm like eight years old in a three piece suit. I do think that was my first three piece suit. I didn't wear it all the time. I swear it was that sure. one. Time. I, 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 I was always big into college sweatshirts and hats and t-shirts and sneakers, high tops, all that kind of thing. So, but yeah, that's it. So, but I, but I was, I was Webster's height at eight years old. So <laughs> there you go. So, so you were on CNN, NBA TV, a ton of stuff. Who, um, who were the top three people that you enjoyed interviewing? Oh man. Um, boys, a lot of them. Uh, John Sally was hilarious. Uh, I interviewed John Sally. He was first traded from Detroit to Miami. And I said, were you surprised by this? I'm just, I'm just excited. It's John Sally. And he goes, no, because it was always every year. Like, okay, about John Sally for uh peg leg lady and three blind mice. I mean, it was, you know, he's just such, he was hilarious. And back then we didn't know how funny he was. Right. Um, it was later on at, you know, when he, his, that personality came out. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was really cool. Interviewed him for several times. And um, there was actually a clip somewhere on the internet where I, but a 15 minute clip and uh, you know, me at five, nine with Kareem at seven, two, and he's demonstrating the sky hook. You know, that was always hilarious. Um, that was good. Um, interviewed couldn't, couldn't block Michael a Wood. shot, huh? No, I tried and not even, yeah, if I threw something <laughs> up there, I couldn't still couldn't get to it. So, but again, you know, seven footers couldn't get to it either. So no, I was in good exactly. company. Um, and the interview Tiger Woods uh, several times, Michael Phelps, they're both very similar interviews in that they're both ADD. If you don't ask a good question, they get bored very easily. So um, to interview those guys and keep them engaged. That was always a lot of fun, but um, it's been, a, been a lot of fun. Good career. Wow. So Larry, I, I do need, you do have a better half and, and, and you have a family. So we, we don't talk about your, you know, your family much because, you know, it's all about business here, but tell these people about your family. Yeah. Yeah. I've been married uh, 29 years uh, to the same woman and uh, her claim to fame. Just, just good it's a good thing yeah she doesn't want to talk about it she was the first black homecoming queen at middle tennessee state university she broke the color barrier she broke through uh we have two kids uh our daughter is a senior at mercy university and our son is a junior at mercy university and both uh, on track to get two degrees um coming up here so very excited about them and um you know of all the things and we talk with this you know, we all have kids and we talk about our careers and love what we do but that's number one all the stuff i've done and the cool events I've covered and interviews, whatever being a dad and being a husband's number one. So there's just nothing else that matters. So, uh, yeah, but thanks for asking. Yeah. We, you got, you know, you guys already know, but the people don't know you're right. And this is all about letting them try to tell the people. That's right. Get the people yeah. stuff they know. Yeah. Well, the, the other question I is what did, you've done final fours, you've done Olympics. If you had to pick any one big event that would be your favorite, what would it be? Final four. Final four, even over the China Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Final, yeah. Final fours. Are, I mean, the Olympics are fun. I, I did four of those, three abroad. The Atlanta 96 was the other one. Uh, but love the final fours. Just, I'm just, you guys know I'm a college hoops junkie. Um, the experiences in China of being a communist country and we were outnumbered. And, you know, there's the one out, don't want to take too much time here, but, but when the 08 Olympics, there is an American killed on the morning of the first day of the games. And information at the time, this is, you know, internet was in its infancy and our phones were different. Our, you know, smartphones, et cetera, didn't exist yet. So um, it was one of those where it's like, gee, is this, is this 72? Is this Munich? I mean, am I Jim McKay? Is by the time we came on, on the East coast, it was already 6 PM local time there. And it already happened. And 
we were the first to kind of begin to talk about those things. So, um, you know, that was, that was different. It was certainly a different experience. So. I, I thought you were going to say the masters, Larry. I thought that was what you were going to say. Enjoy the masters. Enjoy the funny story too. I once actually was, uh, trying to use my phone within the gates, thought I was in a uh, place and wound up being, uh, actually literally escorted into the security hut. And the guy came out with a real stern face. He said, so, uh, you're in a lot of trouble. Do you know that? I'm like, I am. He said, yeah. You know why? And I said, why? And he goes, because I watch Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> now that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was what was funny was, and boy, we're out of time. I got to go. What was really funny was that they took me to the front desk and I heard them say, well, can we get someone to replace him? And they said, no, he's Larry Smith. He's irreplaceable. And I thought, oh, no, I could be replaced. But if you don't <laughs> think I can, that's fine. That's fine. See, <laughs> we'll go replace with that. That's right. Let's go with that. So anyway, <laughs> but um well, thanks, guys. That was unfortunately we're out of time, but hopefully people enjoyed that. And uh, I don't know, you know, find us all on Twitter and we're all three of us um, are always happy to answer more questions whenever we enjoy interacting with all of you guys. So, all right, that's it. We'll take a time out. Much more to come. You've now met Larry Smith. You met the three of us. So now we can begin the next season of the show in August. All right. Stay with us. Much more to come after this. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation 303-957-3092 that's neon rain at 303-957-3092 or visit them at neonrain.com now back to the studio and the guys from big sports radio Right back here on the show, Penn State coming off a Rose Bowl appearance uh, 100 years after they were last in the Rose Bowl, I believe. Um, But that was then. Uh, This is now 2023, and the Nittany Lions try to make their move in the last year of the divisions in the Big Ten before USC and UCLA um, head east and join the fracas. James Franklin uh, talking about uh, the challenges facing Penn State coming up here as they head into the preseason workouts. I think obviously the Big Ten has made some decisions um, that I think most people would agree, uh, whether it's you know athletic directors or, or coaches, uh, that we made decisions that we felt like we're going to put the conference in the best position um, to compete for national championships. And not only that, 
give us the best chance to get multiple teams um, into the playoffs. You know, I think you have to kind of really build it and look at it from that way. And I think our conference has made some decisions to do that. Uh, obviously, you know, with any decision you make, there's going to be some give and take. Uh, there's going to be some things that are gained and there's going to be some things that are lost. Um, but I think for the most part, uh, the benefits will outweigh those things. You talk about some of the historical games and some of the exciting games that have been played in opponents. I think for the most part, those will still happen. But there will be some times where uh, there's different teams or a lack of a team on your schedule that you're used to playing. Daniel Gowan, Lions 24-7. Hey, Daniel. James, you mentioned being in a competition phase uh, at, at quarterback. Um, obviously, you haven't had a quarterback battle in a long time. We've, you know, we've Just to be clear, we've had one every year. Okay. Every year. Oh, it's the first year without an incumbent yes, sir. in a while. Yes, sir. Um, what will you and Mike need to see from Drew or Bo in order to make that decision? And is there a time during training camp when you will want to have that decision made by? Yeah, I, obviously, the, the sooner the better. Um, but, but we're not going to rush any of these decisions at any of these positions um, we grade everything in every practice. So all the data will be there. Um, you know, obviously you're going to, you're going to trust your gut and your instincts on those things as well, but you have the data to back it up. Um, but I think at any of these positions, the sooner, the better, it's probably magnified at the quarterback position because you don't rotate and play the same type of way, uh, that you do at some other positions. But it'll be obviously watching how they move the offense, uh, the confidence that their teammates have in them, and then obviously a lot of the data and analytics that go in it as well to make sure that what your gut is telling you aligns with what the numbers say. Our far right. Chris Solari, Detroit Free Press. James, I'm wondering hey about, it, it's a ways off, but the, the Michigan State game at the end of the year, moving it to Detroit and, and playing in an NFL stadium, what are the pluses and minuses for Penn State in that game? Well, I, I think obviously the, the, the one challenge is it'll be a Friday game. So you're talking about later in the season um, and you got a short week. And there's, you know, by that point of the year, you got bumps and bruises and challenges with depth. So the Friday night game can be a little bit challenging, but at least it's a level playing field and we're both, you know, having to deal with that. Um, I do think. There's going to be a ton of positives uh, when you talk about that point of the season, um, being able to play in this venue. Um, I think I think we'll we'll pack this place. I think our fans will travel well. I think obviously the Mich Michigan State will travel extremely well. It's their home game, uh, so I think it's going to be a great environment. Um, and obviously being in indoors that time of year, you know, there's a real positive that comes from that too. So um, we've had great games against Michigan State. We're looking forward to that as well. But you're exactly right. There's a lot of time between now and then, which also allows us to prepare and be ready for it. We will take one final question for Coach. In the back. Coach Mark Rogers, uh, the voice of college football. Hey, Mark. Uh, you're two main uh, chief rivals in the Eastern Division, Ohio State and Michigan, have built their offensive teams in very different ways. 
how have you structured your roster, your recruiting, your approach to take both of those approaches on? Yeah, for us, it obviously it starts about Penn State and building our defense the way myself and Manny Diaz feel like it needs to be built. Um, offensively, same thing. Mike Yurcich and myself and, and how our offense needs to be built uh, from a size perspective, from a talent perspective, from a speed perspective, whatever it may be. Um, so although you are going to factor those things in, your opponents and those types of things, uh, more than ever, you got to focus on on your program and what you need to be successful running the schemes that you that you do. We're obviously aware. We study best practice. We, we're aware of what Michigan's doing. We're aware of what Ohio State's doing. We're, we study those programs too. But ultimately, it's about us and what Manny Diaz needs to be successful in his defense and Mike Yurcich as well. Penn State is is a really good football team, really good program that just is so overshadowed. And I think maybe this is the year that maybe they have a chance to get out from under that shadow because they're, they're really good. I mean, they were in the, they finished in the top 10 last year because the only teams they lost to were two teams that were in the college football playoff and they beat everybody else. So I, I really, I, I, Franklin's done a great job of making this, but I, I think it's the same thing. At some point you have to break through, right? And win a conference title or win a get to a college football playoff, whatever it is, they've got to break through. And maybe this is the year to do it. Yeah. Look, he, he went through a great you know scenario there of you have to control what you can control. And he can't do anything about Michigan and Ohio State. But the two things that Penn State has to do is they have to figure out how to recruit better. And they have to figure out how to coach them up a little better because you're going up against two of the top six programs in the country year in and year out. Not very fair, but that's life. Yeah. You know, what's what's worse than having to take on Michigan and Ohio State and try to climb over them every single year? Trying to climb over Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and maybe Maryland every single year and maybe Michigan State every single year. Your Rutgers, Greg Siano, we'll hear from them <laughs> next on Baseball Radio. <laughs> You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Continuing now here on the Big Sports Radio, Larry and Mike and Brad, as we talk uh, Big Ten Media Days. Uh, they were earlier this week, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, in Indianapolis, where they are every year. It's a great setup out there. Uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, seven coaches one day, seven coaches another day. Uh, you get a chance to hear uh, from Greg Schiano on his second stint uh, there uh, uh, with the Scarlet Knights. Um, again, trying to build this program. But as we talked before the break, so many roadblocks in the way when you're Rutgers football. But uh, excited about the uh, 2023 season. Here's Coach talking about his Scarlet Knights. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about the way that we're handling business both on the field and off. We had, uh, I heard Brett say they had the highest GPA. Uh, I can brag the same. We had the highest GPA in, in program history. And uh, I'm very proud of that over 3.0 as a collective team. Uh, and that's something that's very important to me when we're entrusted with these young people's lives. Certainly football is a big, big part of it, but we know that football ends and that their life continues on after football. And I think what they learn, not only in the classroom, but in all areas, being with us is important time in their development. I always tell families when they come on visits, 
other than that time when you're an infant, I think this is the, the biggest time of development in your life. 18 to 22 years old, when you're figuring out what kind of adult you want to be, what's going to be the basis of who you are. So excited about the program. Uh, recruiting's gone well. You know, we're a developmental program, and uh, I think I, I say that often. I think people don't really understand always what that means. You know, we're not getting a ton of guys that are walking in the door ready to perform in the Big Ten Conference on, on their rookie year, on their freshman year. There's a few. But uh, we're a developmental program. We need to get them in the pipeline. We need to develop them in the strength and conditioning area, nutrition, uh, learn the culture. And then what happens is as we build and build and build, the pipeline begins to become full. And we're approaching that now where we have 22, 21, 23-year-olds that are grown men. And when those guys are your best players and they play their best football at 22 years old, that's when you start to have success at a place like Rutgers. That's what we did the first time. And that uh, certainly is the plan here going forward this time. So uh, I think one of the most important things being at, you know, at Rutgers University is know who we are and know that we have to be different. And that's okay. I love that. I love being in that position. And like I said, never been more excited than I am today to be the head coach at Rutgers. So with that, I'll open it up for questions. Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Good morning, coach. What is one thing that you would change about either the current NIL or transfer portal landscape if you could do it tomorrow? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, there's a lot of things. So get, choosing one is the, is the tough part, right? Somehow, somehow, if the universities could control more of the NIL, just so there's uniformity and we don't have all the third parties that are involved. And that's not to, look, no one's doing it other than the third parties right now. So I'm grateful, right? Because without them, we'd be in big trouble. But I just don't see that being, you know, if you look at most other businesses, that's not the way it works, right? That there's someone else that has a totally different, oftentimes, not, not always, different vested interest. I just believe that uh, somehow we, had, we need to bring that back in-house. How you do that, there's going to be people that have to decide that other than, other than I. I got to coach a team. But I do believe that we have to get somehow get our arms back around it. But right now, you know, I have a saying under my desk. It says, if you don't like it, dot, 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 change it or change the way you think about it. So I'm not going to change it single-handedly, so I had to change the way I think about it. And that's, that's how I've approached it. We'll go over to our right coach. Hey, Coach. Pat Lanny, Angie.com. Good to see you. Uh, you talked about being different. I'm curious, what's the biggest challenge you still face at Rutgers? Well, I think number one, the biggest challenge, you look around at, at, at the logos on that wall, right? We play in the best conference in America. So we have to build a program that can compete at that level and then someday be a championship level program. So how do you do that? You do that one step at a time. You recruit the right players and you develop them. And to me, that's it. And when part of the development is all the things that surround them. Right. Like I mentioned, nutrition, strength and conditioning, mental health, physical health, equipment, all the areas, because then the football part, you know, that's what they love. That's why they're there and they want to play. They're, they're dying to do that. It's the other things that you have to because, again, if we're if we know who we are, we have to develop our guys and get them to the end end of their career where they're playing their best football. That's how we'll win there. We're going to stay right over here. Matt Shelton from Wildcat Report. Uh, how will your preparation change for Northwestern after the firing of Pat Fitzgerald and then the promotion of David Braun to interim head coach? That's a good question. Um, 
I don't think as much maybe as if it was a total overhaul, right? So Mike Bajakin is the coordinator there. He's been there. I think that's going to remain similar. And then defensively, um, you know, he didn't, they didn't bring him in to be the defensive coordinator to run somebody else's defense. So now he's the head coach as well. So I think we're going to get what we were studying and getting prepared for. You know, the biggest thing in my career is make sure your own team's ready. That's, that's our challenge. Is I, I, I need to make sure that Rutgers is ready on the third because uh, I know that Northwestern's going to show up and we need to make sure that we do. We'll go over here to our right. And then I've got you in the back. Coach, David Gold, inside on you. When your first tenure at Rutgers, you had a lot of local kids um, stay in state to help lead the program. How important is it to keep those kids from Don Bosco and Bergen Catholic in state to help grow this program? Well, it's always important to recruit your backyard. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it, the most important thing is you get the right players that fit your culture and that are gifted enough to play and, and compete and win in the Big Ten Conference. So if you look at our program the first time, at first it wasn't cool to go to Rutgers back in 2000, 2001, 2002. So we recruited all over the place to get the right people to fit our program. Then when we won, all of a sudden the local guys, then it was cool to go to Rutgers. And again, has that happened a little bit? Yeah, but I, I feel confident that in our local area, the New Jersey, New York area, which is our backyard, that we're going to consistently recruit the best players. Will we get them all? No, but I'm not worried about that. You know, I learned a long time ago, Coach Paterno always used to say, don't worry about the ones you don't get. Make sure you love coaching the ones you do get. And that's what I live by. And we'll have a final question over here in the back. Dustin Schutte, Indiana Sports Speed. Uh, Greg, you made a coaching change. Uh, offensive coordinator Kirk Shiraka. Uh, what does he bring to your program? What kind of differences do you hope to see on the field from the offensive unit this year? Yeah, it's a great uh, question. Kirk Shiraka is a is a veteran coach, one that I know very well. He was on our staff at Rutgers the first go round. Um, he brings experience. He brings clarity. Um, knows exactly what he wants to do, and. I think he does a great job leading and managing our staff. So I'm excited. I, I enjoy um, going to work every day. I enjoy being with him. Um, he's just a true professional. And thank God we have him, right? Because my job has changed so much just in the last year. You know, between Kirk Shiraka and Joe Harris-Simiak, our two uh, coordinators, I couldn't be more pleased. It's the best staff that I've been on in my whole career. And, uh, again, thank goodness because a lot of my time now is spent on NIL and those type of things that have very little to do with offense or defense. And uh, if, if they weren't there, I don't know what would give. So I'm very appreciative and, and fortunate and blessed to have them in our program. You know, you know how you know when a coach doesn't win enough games? Mike, do you know? Yes, I do. They mentioned the GPA of their team. Because <laughs> you, you're, you're, the reality is... Uh, we all want kids to do well in school and, and getting a degree is really important. It's a big guy. Most of these kids need that degree for their life. But the reality is as a college coach, you're not keeping your job because you got a 4.0. If you go two and 10, it's just that simple. And, and Greg Shiano has one of the longest nicknames in all of sports. It's Greg. Why did I leave this? team when they were in the big east conference and why do it why did i return when they went to the big 10 shiano <laughs> and i you know it took him five years to do and and then he turned around that program uh went seven and five in his his uh fifth year 
And then um, the next six years, you know, went to five bowls and won all five, won five of six his last, you know, six years. Um, I just think that being in the Big East is a lot different than being in the the Big Ten. And I, uh, unless they figure out a way to really lock down the state of New Jersey, which has some very good football players, they're not going to be able to do much in the Big Ten. And we all know a big metropolitan area like that, you really can't lock it down from the from the Blue Bloods coming in and recruiting the best players. Yeah, another tough year ahead for Rutgers and certainly wish them the best uh, on the field as he, as you said, tries again to turn around uh, what's a tough program to turn around. But he's done it before, and we'll see if he can do it again. One of the guys he is trying to beat in this 2023 season, Mel Tucker of Michigan State. We'll hear from him up next. East Lansing, Michigan, where the Michigan State Spartans play and uh, go to class as well. Um, you know, Mel Tucker, uh, the head coach, uh, coming off a subpar season with the Spartans and losing his quarterback, uh, Peyton Thorne, who ended up uh, going down to Auburn, right, over the offseason, uh, was not guaranteed a starting job at all. Um, and so as a result, he got out of town. Um, now, Noah Kim is the uh, heir apparent, and Coach Tucker talking about him uh, during media days. Noah is a tremendously talented young man. He's a, he's a winner. Uh, he's a, he's got a lot of arm talent. He's got he's very poised. He's very athletic. He's one of the fastest players on our team. He's in the top twenty fastest players on our team. Um, he's got some experience. When he went in games last season, as you remember, he made it look easy. Um, he's just got the demeanor that we're looking for. He's a guy that knows our offense, and he's going to do what we ask him to do. He's going to he's going to execute. Hands up, please. We'll go down over here. Hi, Coach. Uh, Phil Thompson, Chicago Tribune. Hey, Phil. Hi. Uh, given what's happened uh, at Northwestern with the hazing allegations, has that motivated you to take a deeper look uh, at the culture within your own program? And uh, what conversations have you had with the university administration and the conference uh, about hazing? Yeah, our culture is very strong, and our culture starts with with connection and authentic relationships and mutual respect. Uh, we have that, you know. Uh, we do have a, a anti-hazing policy at the university and on our football team. Um, our players know that. I've talked to our athletics director, Alan Haller, um, and that's going to be one of the topics uh, that we're going to cover when we when we report to camp next Wednesday. Chris Solari, Detroit Free Press. Well, you mentioned about uh, the lessons that you and your staff learn. I'm wondering if you can expand on that a little bit. What what things do you feel like, as, as a coaching staff, you picked up that you can do better or differently in year four than year three? Yeah, well, uh, you know, get, football is a game of, of attrition, and injury is a part of the game, and, and uh, you know, we – had to uh, modify the way we practice. We wanted to make sure we can get our players to the game, um, and so uh, to the games. And so, uh, you know, we changed the way we did some things in spring ball, which was was very effective. You know, how we hit, when we hit, how often we hit. Uh, we did a much better job of staying up 
and staying off the ground. Uh, the studies that we that we uh, did about with our team in the out of season showed that when players are on the ground in practice, that's when they get hurt the most. And so uh, we just modified, you know, the way. Uh, you know, the way we did some things in spring ball, which really uh, helped us be, you know, be more productive, uh, keep guys more healthy, staying on the field, getting better. Uh, we're going to carry that in the fall camp. I think that's going to be a huge uh, benefit for us moving forward. We'll go over here to our left. Hey, Mel, Andy Wittree with On3. When Matt Ishby purchased the Phoenix Suns, he said he was going to step away from some of those NIL deals due to a conflict of interest. How does a, a school and a donor base try to step up when a billionaire has to step away from NIL deals? Yeah, we have tremendous support at Michigan State with our, our donors, our supporters. Um, you know, we're strong in the NIL space um, and we're going to continue to be strong. Uh, we have a, we have a, a lot of, uh, of our supporters, our donors that are, are willing to step up and, and help our young men. And so uh, that's not going to be an issue for us. Next questions. You get your hands up high, please. Yep, right over here. Uh, Tim May, Letterman Row. Uh, Mel, do you, do you feel like Deion Sanders kind of took your template for turning a team around and and ran with it? And uh, and what are the pluses and minuses of the transfer portal and going heavily into it? Yeah, Tim, it's good. It's good to see you again. Always good to see you. Yeah, um, you know, Prime has done a great job so far. Um, I'm pulling for him uh, and and the Buffs uh, to get that thing going again. Um, and, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he's got his own, he's got his own process that he's following, obviously. And I think that he'll, I think he's going to be wildly successful there. Uh, the portal is, um, has been a benefit for us. Uh, you know, we've used it, um, you know, to help uh, upgrade our roster. Uh, we can fill some needs immediately. Um, you know, some of the downside is, is that, that we all know there's a, there's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of players that have entered the portal and haven't found a home. Um, and that's disturbing. Um, but for us, uh, the portal is here um, and we're going to uh, use it uh, to benefit our program any way that we can. Over here, please, in the back, to our left. Yeah, Mel, Tom Crawford, Press Pass, Fox 47. Uh, Relinquishing the Penn State home game to Ford Field. Um, I know talking to Michigan State alumni is some pro and con to that. What, is this something that you think every time Penn State comes to Michigan State, this would be a good option? And what are the pluses and minuses of that? I'm giving up at an actual home game at Spartan Stadium. Yeah, well, this season is going to be a tremendous opportunity for our players, great exposure for our, for our program, uh, a national audience in a, in a, in a pro uh, football arena, which I, I think is going to be great for our, for our team. It's going to be a, a, a great game. We'll be in, in, the, in the Detroit area where we recruit. Uh, we have a lot of fans there. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that it's a great opportunity. You know, we'll see how it goes, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Mel Tucker's in a in a precarious situation there at Michigan State. He's got this massive contract after basically one good season, right? And now he's got to live up to you know. And in the in the division this season, you know, when they have you know the Michigan and the Michigan State or uh, Michigan Ohio State and the Penn State, it's really tough to win there. And you have that one year, and it kind of he has to go off that. And I'm not sure that they're recruiting well enough, or that they coach well enough to have a lot of success under Mr. Tucker. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and in our lifetimes, it seems like Michigan's been up most of the time, and then when Michigan struggles a little bit, Michigan State pops up. 
it's hard for both of them to be really good at the same time. And I think um, with, with Harbaugh increasing the um, performance of the Wolverines, it puts the Spartans in a very, very tough place to be. And I'm not certain if Mel Tucker's the guy we'll find out. He's certainly paid like he's the man, but if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And he has not been able to deal with Harbaugh and day and Franklin, you know, consistently, it's a tough place to be, but you know who you got to knock off and just hasn't been able to do it. Yep. Trying to uh, be like Mark uh, up there, Mark D'Antonio, hard to believe it's easy to forget. I should say uh, D'Antonio actually led Michigan state to uh, the BCS when you're right. The playoff, the yes. college, I can say the college football playoff, I should say. So uh, you're absolutely right. Hey, keep it here. We've got uh, much more to come, including uh Money for days, money, people getting paid, Uh, but it ain't us. It's next on Big Sports Radio. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain apart? They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160-800-390-5160-800-390-5160-That's 800-390-5160. You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, 30. Leave it up to Mike Hagley to get in the boxing news for you boxing enthusiasts out there. You pugilists, what do you got? Oh, I tell you what. We're calling you Mike Sugar, like Burt Sugar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or Hagler. I mean, he was my, I'm a big fan of his. Um, look, the there was Naoya um, Inouye put his claim in for the pound for pound best fighter in in the world. Went to 25 and 0. He moved up into the super bantamweight, took on the best fighter in the class, knocked him out in the eighth round. He's done a couple of things I haven't seen before. He's got this move where he literally jab jabs and then jumps on a guy with punches raining on him. I mean, this, this kid is incredible. Um, so he put his, his flag in the ground for the best pound for pound fighter in the world. And of course this, uh, Saturday night, uh, Terrence Crawford fights Errol Spence jr. For the welterweight title. This is probably the biggest welterweight fight 
um, since De La Hoya, and certainly you might even be able to go back to Hag or excuse me, Sugar Ray and Tommy Hearns. Yep. I, I tend to I tend to think you know if, if Spence hadn't got in the re- in the wreck that caused him some physical damage, I would favor him as the bigger man. But I think Crawford uh, hasn't went through the physical rigors of being in a car wreck, and I think the smaller man may win this one just based on that. Yeah, I think in a way it's interesting because not only young little guys, and I'm when I say little, like they're not highway don't knock out people at the rate that he knocks people out, right? 25 and 0, 22 knockouts. That just doesn't happen, right? Wow. But this, so that's really impressive. That's why I think he's separate, separated himself a little bit. But Crawford and Spence, this is, a, I don't know if these guys are both still at the their peak. I right. think they're both past, you know, I, it's probably the biggest fight was probably Mayweather Pacquiao from a, just a, I'm not, but neither one of those guys were at their height either, right? You know Exactly. What I mean? But I, yes. I would say this this fight is the biggest fight in boxing in a long time, and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, this is one of those I'll get the pay-per-view for because it's going to be worthy of it. Wow. Wow. Pay-per-view. They still have those? Yeah. Yeah. Trust <laughs> me. They want $85 for this. So, yes, oh, I'm going right. to be parted from my cash. $85. That's why I didn't know they had them because I would never do that. I know. Uh, we, we know, Larry. Larry's idea of a pay-per-view is you pay him come in and, and watch TV at his house. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Careful. Uh, speaking of paying, uh, Jalen Brown, get paid the Celtics are offering a super max deal. 300 is it 304 million over five years. Look, I'm all about people getting paid, but we've talked about, there is an agent once who NBA agent said, you should only give a max deal to one of two types of guys. One, a guy who can win you a championship Two, a guy who's going to put people in the seats. Uh, love me some Jalen Brown. I don't know that he's he fits either category. Not yet, because he hasn't done it right. I mean, you're not a you're not an NBA champion until you're an NBA champion, right? Yeah. So, I, I do think that the Celtics have it, they're in an intriguing spot. Is Jalen Brown one of the best five players in the NBA or top ten players? I, I don't think so. But but I'm going to say this: every team's going to have to have you have to have two of these like super max guys. And they're going to have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You're going to have to build around those two max guys and, and figure out how it goes after that. But I think every team, if you're going to be a contender, that's what you get. You have to do now. I, I do think they're in a much better position than, you know, a team like, you know, um, would you rather have Jalen Brown or, or, or like Zach Levine as your, as one of your guys, I, I you know, <laughs> These are, these are, you know, the bulls, maybe, you know, not as good spot. So yeah, I'm not sure Brown has totally earned that yet, but I will say this. It wouldn't shock me if the Celtics make a move or two, I could see them being a team that could, they could still win a title next year. They're in the hunt every year. They're in the mix. Now they got to just get over that hump. Yeah. I'm just not certain if they can balance that new salary cap rule with both him and Tatum, I'm not certain, Brad, you and I might be able to get a job on the Celtics because they can't afford Somebody's got to be the 15th guy. It, exactly. Um, I, I, I can shoot. Yeah, exactly. I cannot. Um, <laughs> but I, I do I do think the interesting thing is, is I always harken back, do I want – do I want some old dude to make all that money or do I want a player to make it? And you're right. He's not a championship player and he isn't putting butts in seats, but it's still better than some old guy, you know, owner making, making the dollars. So I, it, it falls in the, it is what it is category. 
Well, it's 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 not in the Tobias Harris category I've right. always mentioned, where he right. was making you know thirty six million a year, and and there's there's some basketball fans who don't even know who he is. I mean, I mean, literally, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to bust on him, which, which is now a cheap deal, Larry. That's a, Tobias is actually a value player. Right? Yeah. Now years like, later. See? see, I'm a bargain. See, yeah. you're complaining about. So exactly. Hey, meanwhile, uh, in the uh, ever changing, uh, hey, I'm the highest paid in the NFL history. Uh, Jalen Hurts move over, Lamar Jackson move over, and now it's uh, Justin Herbert, uh, the latest to get the uh, record biggest contract ever. He'll make an average of fifty million plus as the quarterback of the Chargers. Chump change, yeah. I, I think that it, what what this comes out to is the latest guy to sign the big contract. Yeah. Every time somebody signs one. Then another guy signs one and gets a little bit more. I guess that's that's the nature of, of football. Harry Carey said potential is a French word that means you haven't done doo-doo yet. And I'm thinking that uh, this is a p- contract based on it's a quarterback and he's got potential. So we'll see what happens. Yep. And guess what quarterback has yet to sign and he'll be the next highest paid ever. He already has a Super Bowl. He was a former number one overall pick. Joe Burrow of the Bengals. Mark it down. All right, we've got to run. We're out of time already. Thanks so much. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. See you next time. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.